This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. In this episode, there is a brief discussion around deaths in custody and reference to self-harm within a prison context. There's also some swear words. I'm Maddie. And I'm Jess. We're joined by a special guest today, which is super exciting. My dear friend and ex-colleague, Daniel Gray. Hello. Um, Hi, Dan. I feel special. (laughs) Good. Good. You really Uh, emphasised ex-colleague as if you just like really want to make clear that I'm no longer affiliated with this person professionally. That will become apparent because of this episode. But for now, we are former and current acquaintances. Yes. You know, transitional stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. We're working through it. We're working through it. How are you? (laughs) Decided to zip water at the beginning. Great. Uh, Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Queensland's had an interesting week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I have been told to go home from work on my way to or just having started work twice in seven days because of that their lockdown. We literally became free 53 minutes ago and I picked Daniel up and I was like, we're doing a podcast. It is April 1st. It is April 1st today and that lockdown stopped at midday and I thought this this could be the worst (laughs) and most insensitive. April Fools that has ever been. Could you imagine at five to midday, Anastasia Palaszczuk is like, lol jokes, everyone get back inside. <laughs> you have to wear two masks. <laughs> that, I mean, if oh. she was going to quit her job, that'd be the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself to I, us today? I, I wouldn't really, but I'm gonna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends. I'm Daniel Gray. Uh, I am technically a librarian at the moment, but I am a huge nerd. Uh, I That's true. write, I historically have directed and been in theatre, and I play a great deal of Dungeons and Dragons. I believe I am here because of one of the many very strange jobs that I have had in my young professional life has led me to being friends with you. Yeah. And knowing more than I needed to know, well, no, more than I needed to know about organisations <laughs> who work in prison tourism, uh, and about as much as I need to know about historic prisons of Australia. The short version is that Dan and I were in jail together. And you announced (laughs) that. You announced that every time I've moved house, you've announced it loudly uh, in the as yet unfurnished and therefore echoey basements to my neighbours that we Yeah, but aren't you glad I helped you move? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm always very grateful uh, and um, grateful then for the space that my neighbours give me. Hey, Heidi. Sorry, it started bucketing outside and Heidi's running, <laughs> screaming. She just opened a door. Hang on. There's a wet cat. Once again, um, Heidi is Maddie's cat, in case we leave this bit in. Oh, um, came okay. barreling right. to be on the podcast. I was wondering if that was going to happen. A young girl from the Alps just hurtled in from the rain. <laughs> as I was saying, we were in jail together. Mm-hmm. We weren't in jail as inmates. We worked 
together at Boggo Road Jail as tour guides. Well, technically you are my supervisor, I believe. To a given value of supervision, yeah. Yeah, for a brief window where in which I worked there. I think mm-hmm. it was like two months or something. As I was desperately trying to stop having to talk to people uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, move away from being a tour guide to just emails. Yeah. Yeah. And we left around the same time, which was 2016? beginning of 2016 i think yes okay so you both you know things about bogo road jail mm-hmm. we Shall know I run too through much. what what i know it won't take yeah. long that tell us fun. and then i will do from go to woe the history of the thing right bogo road is a prison and it is near park road station depending which direction you're coming from and i've walked past it when i've gone the wrong way to get to that train from an unfamiliar <laughs> house. Can't and confirm that last one, but so far. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is it. It is in Brisbane. It's in Brisbane. That's a that's a thing. Yeah. That's where I was at the time. Yeah. End of list. Solid. I think that's the whole episode right there, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And because if Thank you so much for having me. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Maddie's told me anything over the years, which I'm sure you have, like I've not retained it. I apologize. Yeah. But also I don't bring it up very often because I genuinely forget. And then I'm yeah, like, you've... oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're doing prison. your bit <laughs> and I'm doing my bit. Yeah, yeah, we're doing our bit. Okay, shall we jump into it then? Go nuts. Because it is a time. All right. In 1883, a new prison opened on the south side of Brisbane called Her Majesty's Brisbane Jail in order to replace the older prison at Petrie Terrace which is where we are today. Hmm. Not in the prison, just in my house. (laughs) (laughs) The Brisbane jail was to be used for those serving short sentences or on remand. It did not remain that way. It had one wing with 54 cells and locally became known as Boggo Road Jail after the road it was on, which naturally had that name because it became boggy. Um, It was just a boggy hot mess when it (laughs) rained. So very creative. Yeah. The road was Boggo, not Boggy. Yeah. Boggo road. I can't. I blame British rhyming slang. I don't know. You know something to do with that. It would be a good, I was going to say, it's a good slang. Like if you're, you know, you need to do a big poo. So I just got to head down Boggo road. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pass through. I've got to do a detour to Boggo Road. Yeah. Uh, Accidental detour. (laughs) Hit up the jail real quick. Uh, Depending on also whose book you're reading or whose tour you're on. Yes. uh, The word Boggo uh, has a few different theories for origins. Yeah. Some of which being um, indigenous language names for the area. Uh, I think Bloggo was one of them uh, that I've heard. And it's to do with uh, a place where two trees meet. That's the other one. Yeah. So you will hear a lot of this throughout is that (laughs) there are like multiple contradictory kind of situations throughout the history of this jail some more polite than others yeah some are actually quite a feud which is really exciting Mm. so get ready Uh, (laughs) the road is actually officially called Annalee Road as of 1905 but everyone called it Boggo and some still do Seven years later, in 1890, the prison was extended and two new wings were added. The original was called A Wing and the new wings B and C. The prison now had 178 cells, up from 54. So clearly not a temporary short-term stay establishment. And then 13 years later, 
After that, in 1903, a women's prison was opened on the same grounds adjacent to the male prison. These then became known as the male division and the female division. The women's prison had three wings and a total of 80 cells, but the number of female inmates averaged below 20 at most given times, according to records. A lot of space, a lot of room to move. Yeah, a lot of room for activities. Yeah, That's nice. I mean... It was still a terrible time, but it's better. Yeah, really not, none of those things. Yeah. Mm. Um, so as you can see, it went from one wing, small, short-term jail to quite a large jail within 20 years. Like it grew mm-hmm. very quickly. The conditions inside the prison were poor. Prisoners complained of dirty bedding, terrible food, and far too common outbreaks of disease. Baths were outside in circular iron tubs. And the cells had no toilets, meaning that prisoners had to use what then affectionately later became known as shit tubs. Do you remember those? I do. I do. When we did the tour, we had to use one of those as a prop, which was very exciting. Okay. Um, (laughs) As I said that, I realised. I feel like we have different methods. Uh, I had to use a bucket as a prop. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me that as a part of your tour... You pretended to take a shit in a bucket. I did not boggo in the bucket, no. Yeah. We just held it up and we were like, this is one of the shit buckets. Obviously, it's been cleaned. Um, Bowl. Wow. Okay. Which still, some may argue, is too close to home. I think those ones would have been replicas uh, as well. Absolutely um, but, but would have been replicas. I, I'm now 100%. remembering. I, I'm remembering now that I was would have been one of those insufferable tour guides from just all over the world who were just like, this is my joke that I tell at this point in the tour every yeah, time. Yeah, and then it would have stayed in. So the shit bucket mm-hmm. <laughs> was basically a bucket with a lid that you would empty out into a collective shit tub. Okay. At least You're there's welcome. a lid on the bucket. Yeah. And Here a conical sort of, uh, uh, sort oh, of yeah. inner lip. Like a would, funnel kind um, of. Either funnel the, the smell funnel. in or out. I don't know if it was very effective, but there'd be, it wasn't just like a cylindrical bucket. I'm gesturing a lot for a podcast. So it was the a funnel, reverse if funnel. Yes. Yeah. The Sorry. funnel just pointed up. Yeah, like the Hold tin the man. Yeah, tin man. Yeah, well, okay. like those tin fancy whiskey hand. glasses, actually, which are about mm. uh, um, preserving the the um, the smell or the aroma of it. it probably not which an effective nice. thing. <laughs> this, this double-lipped shit can. Oh, great. We'll come right. back to this. On another gross note. We will come back to the shit cans, or rather we will not move away from them. Um, Executions took place at Bogo Road Jail, which had an internal gallows, except for the first ever hanging, which was done in the prison yard in 1883. Okay, Um, grim. Yeah, which they did not stick with. They then had internal gallows. So this is quite interesting. So 94 people have been recorded to be hanged in Queensland. It's important to note that the record would potentially not include any Indigenous people up to a certain Mm. point, but that's what the record states. 42 of these were at Bogo Road. So crimes you could be hanged for in the early 1900s in Queensland included treason, rape, murder, and attempted murder. This was a drastically reduced list from the 200 or so crimes that you could be hanged for under British law when the first fleet colonised. Wow. Yep. Public support for the abolishment of the death penalty grew drastically in Queensland due to several controversial hangings of people with weak convictions 
and the rise of the Queensland Labor Party, which had recently been formed in Barcolden, Queensland. In 1922, Queensland Labor were in power and they actually abolished capital punishment. This was actually a really big deal because Queensland was the first place in the entire British Empire to remove the death penalty. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And the next state in Australia to do so would be Tasmania and not until 1968. Wild. Yeah. That's pretty um, recent. It gets worse (laughs) because the last state in Australia to do it was New South Wales in 1985. Oh, my God. Yep. And Return of the Jedi was released in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. You could see Star Wars and get hanged in the same year Mm. legally. My note just says, what the fuck? But anyway, Mm. and then UK, the United Kingdom was in 2004. Wow. But for a long time before that, you could only be executed for treason. And not many people were. So, Mm. yes, it was legal, but not many people were. got around to, oh, shit, is that still legal? We should do something about that. Kind kind of. of And they just kind of Mm. keep extending their penalties. Yeah, it's not like in... The United States, where they do it. Yeah, but still Mm. way too late. So also in the 1920s, uh, (laughs) crime rates were decreasing after World War I. The daily average number of inmates in Queensland was approximately 300 across the entire state, despite there being about three times as many cells available. So in response to this, the authorities decided to move most of the prisoners, staff and workshop equipment from another prison on St. Helena Island, um, which is off the mainland of Australia, to Bogo Mm. Road. So St. Helena would stay open but was massively downsized and only used for, and this is a quote, the cases with the best hope of reclamation. So basically the prisoners charged with the most serious crimes were all moved to Brisbane. Mm, okay. Fair. This is when shit starts to get real, as I like to say. So the whole Bogo Road site was reorganized to accommodate this. In 1921, the female inmates were transferred to a smaller timber building, while the main prisons were now used for men only and renamed to the number one and number two divisions instead of male and female. Mm-hmm. The St. Helena prisoners were moved to the number two division. And this section of the prison would become the place for all prisoners serving life or long-term sentences. To this day, you can see how they changed the sign of the women's prison by just plastering over the W and the O. So it says men's. Good. During this period, prison governor Arthur Pearson introduced a range of programs to try and improve morale and rehabilitation. He improved the workshops, extended the library, and relaxed correspondence rules. And this historically is kind of seen as an area of soft reform in the prison during the 20s. Mm -hmm. So... Pearson himself wrote in 1922, prison life by its monotonous routine must necessarily have a deteriorating effect on prisoners. Such a life, running as it does without modification, acts depressingly on the prisoner with a view of minimising these hardening influences, music and an occasional picture show have been allowed with most gratifying results. Basically, he was like, people get sad and they're not going to get better if we make their lives worse. Wow. I do not remember this from It was not in the the tour. tour. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the first movie shown in the prison was Over the Hill. 
I don't mm-hmm. know that film very well. And no, on occasion, no, I don't know her. And on occasion, the Salvation Army band would play for the prisoners. In 1922, it was reported that the hearty response of the prisoners who gave the band three cheers could be heard half a mile away. Huzzah. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. When asked about the concert by the morning bulletin, the general stated, already we have stated prison, we have started prison choirs for the various denominations mm-hmm. and these have given an added interest to the church services held each Sunday. There is a harmonium at the establishment and as some of the men have fine voices, the effect is most pleasing. Oh. Harmonium, harmonium being the instrument, not like a sense of. Uh, Maybe like both. Like there's an equilibrium and a harmonium. Yeah. Church choir doesn't sound like a lot of fun. No, I reckon it'd be great. It'd be a hoot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't have much else on. No. People love to harmonize. Well. Mm. In 1936, a wireless radio was installed with a speaker into each cell block and it was first used for an Anzac Day service. There you go. Pearson also changed the types of labour the prisoners undertook. So by the 1920s, Queensland's prisoners were working as tailors, bootmakers, tinsmiths, carpenters and bookbinders, among other things, in the hopes that inmates would learn skills they could use to get a job on the outside. Mm. Yeah, so the whole premise was teach them some skills, engage in some art, and they will be less likely to return. Have a crack at some rehabilitation. During World War II, Bogo Road assisted the war effort by making sand mats, gas alarms, and military uniforms. In 1948, a school was opened in the prison by a Brisbane State High School teacher. It was reported to be a success with only seven out of 100 pupils returning to the prison after release. Wow. So that's a pretty that's huge. Seven out of a hundred? Yeah. Wow. That's really good. That's a good that's a good rate. However, by the nineteen fifties things take a turn. <laughs> oh no. Oh, yeah. So the Queensland prison system was now overcrowded mm-hmm. as the population and crime rates increased. In nineteen fifty the female prisoners were transferred again to another building on the reserve. They were upgraded from timber to brick. However, this building had formerly been the VD hospital. Charming. VD, mm. venereal yeah. disease. Great. That's her. Yeah. So their former prison, a.k.a. the Timber Shack, became number three division for short-term male inmates confined for vagrancy or drunkenness, which made up most of the offences in Queensland mm. at the time. Prisoners had to boil their blankets to rid them of vermin. Oh. Cockroaches were everywhere. Some were even trained to carry messages between cells. Do you remember that story remember with the that sugar? Story. Yeah. It was reported that potentially mm. they would train them by using sugar grains and the, the cockroaches would then mm. remember those maps, whether that's real or not. Like an ET with the mm. Reese's pieces. Yeah, exactly. I like reckon that is that is possible, I reckon. It could work. It could work. We will do an experiment and report back. I will not be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Dan has volunteered. Great. The clever boys. <laughs> uh, mice were also everywhere and some people kept them as pets. So that's nice. Uh, as opposed to the cockroaches who they hired. They yeah, were, yeah. They were, work, they were working with the cockroaches, yeah. but they were uh, keeping the, the mice as pets. Yeah, because the mice had a union by then. Yeah, so yeah. the Labour Party were in power, you know. Mm, yeah. There you go. Yep. <laughs> So prisoners were known to use slang frequently, and I've pulled out some of my favourite examples. Um, These are listed on the Bogo Road Historical Society website. Do you want to guess what they each mean? Oh, yes, that's a fun game. Mm. Let's guess. Okay. Luna. 
Is it about the moon or about being loony? Lunar is a one-month sentence. A three oh. moon is three months and a six moon, six months and so on. A lot of Wiccans in the... In the uh, <laughs> so many. Yeah. So many. All right. Chocolate frog. Is, is, it, is it a poop thing? <laughs> I was going to say that too. Is it a little poo? <laughs> <laughs> it's rhyming slang for dog. So an okay. informer. Oh, so that's that's several levels of translation. Then. Yeah. So, an, so a snitch yeah. is it's a dog, a, is a chocolate, chocolate frog. frog. Yeah, it's really simple. It's they almost, had a lot of spare It's almost time. endearing. Yeah, bless them. Hmm. A flea. It's a trick and question. It's, it's actually fleas. Yeah. Someone who's <laughs> trying to flee. I don't know. Um, a prisoner who seeks to be on good terms with warders and prisoners. Oh, so you good. jump. From like you just jump around. Ah. Mm-hmm. This one's a, a people pleaser. And this is my favorite one. This is a multi. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. This is my favorite one. <laughs> Boob. Boob. Um, the prison. Just the prison is called just Boob. Boob. Yes, but this has like an, a whole suite of other words associated. So a boob head is a prisoner who has influence in the prison. A boob gun is a tattoo machine. A boob rat, a prisoner who constantly returns to prison. Boob talk is secret language. Boob shit uh-huh. is tobacco. Okay. Uh, and boob weed is also tobacco. I don't know why that's the case. And this is my favourite one, even though it's deeply problematic. Boob happy, uh-huh. a prisoner who develops mental health problems as a result of imprisonment. Oh no! <laughs> yep. It's probably from the same kind of tone as trigger happy. We just but boob, but boob, boob, boob happy, bogo boob baby. And speaking boob of boobs, boob. mm. we've now hit the 1960s, which is a wild time for Queensland. Joe Bjorka Peterson is elected. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. He is the leader of the Country Party, which later becomes the National Party, which then becomes a coalition. The LNP. Mm. That's another time. And uh, he was nicknamed the Hillbilly Dictator because of his yep. use of law and order tactics in the state. He used police force regularly against protesters, uh, strong arm tactics with the trade unions, and many people would say that Queensland was really a police state at the time. Mm. We'll which do bodes well for the most episodes. notorious prison. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So between 1968 and 78, the original number one division was gradually demolished and replaced with a modern iteration. The wing had separate cells with sinks and toilets, a desk and a chair, and foam rubber beds. Luxury. However, the number two division, which was now the maximum security prison for long term sentences and, quote, violent offenders, did not receive the same upgrade and the prison as a whole had many, many flaws to say the least. The the cells in number two still had no toilets or running water and prisoners still used the shit tubs. Is this in the the 70s? 80s. 70s. So 60s, 70s, 80s. Yes, so we're still in the 70s, but yes, right through to the Mm. 80s they do. Spoilers, until until two divisions closure Mm. in 1989. They still did. My God. Yeah. Wow. Good times. The food was inadequate and of a poor quality and guards were reported to be brutal. So vermin and lice were still rampant 
and prisoners shared showers and razor blades. Many did not have regularized visitors and were often isolated from their families and people on the outside for long, long periods of time. Former prisoner Mark Itchy Flewell, who was interviewed on SBS's The Feed in 2014, stated that the cells were smelly and had no running water. It took me a couple of days to take a shit in the shit tub, and he described how sexual abuse and violence was everywhere. In 1974, the Korea Mail published a story about prisoners swallowing wire and, quote, four young prisoners swallowed wire that was formed into crosses and a fifth prisoner lost his nerve at the last moment and produced his cross to the officers. The crosses were the patented idea of John Andrew Stewart, a lifer, and they were made with two sharpened pieces of wire bound with rubber. The idea was that when swallowed, and this is quite graphic as a warning, Mm -hmm. when swallowed, the um, crosses would spring open in the stomach and cause incredible pain and they would often bleed and need to be urgently taken to hospital and surgically removed. So the whole purpose was I would rather be like to get out because they were like, I'd rather be in hospital than Mm. in here. And I'd rather go through that pain and risk my life. And then in 1982, the women are moved again, (laughs) this time in a new women's prison on the eastern side of the grounds. Bogger Road utilized black hole cells, um, which are sensory deprivation cells, as a punishment method. Grim. Mm. Yeah. These were described as barbaric and inhumane by the Human Rights Commission, but were still being used even after the Human Rights Commission made that public knowledge. Wow. Although it hasn't been proven, and Dan, jump in with this one if you want, it has been rumoured that the prison also utilised exposure cells, which are basically cages outside in the sun and rain. Um, There are potential remnants of these from memory, on yeah. the jail site, um, indicating that the room is likely to be true, but there's very little, like it's, so the only it's hard p- to prove. Yeah, the it. only parts that are still standing are um, Division 2 and, and uh, a wall and a few cells uh, yeah. f- from Division 1, the part that was attached. And so it, it couldn't be knocked down because otherwise you wouldn't have a complete wall around the uh, around the site. But um, I can see if I can think of from memory a few areas where it would have been um, very easy for them to have done that kind of uh, exposure yeah and there's areas where there are like bolts kind of bolted into the ground cement where it's like this could have been that structure oh no there were um just now I'm now remembering yeah there's photographs and there's two photos the cages that some Mm. um some inmates were kept in in the exercise yards there were um cages bolted to the ground where inmates were kept the reason why it's rumoured and not proven is because those images haven't been circulated widely. No. Mm -hmm. Um, A a lot of the history that you even can mostly confirm is based on um, word of mouth and is based on... um, it's very uh, oral history. Yeah, testimony from ex-officers and inmates. And a lot of it it was very difficult to prove at the time just partly because of just the um, ubiquitous corruption that mm. was the Bjelke Peterson era, things being kept very much in the dark and press are not communicated with well or um, yeah. at all. Mm. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of, there's quite a few horrific stories that, yeah, you may hear from people um, that aren't officially documented or were documented, but were kind of like hidden and destroyed very mm. intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. So the only good thing that was happening in this jail at the time, was Tripod the Three-Legged Cat. (laughs) 
just to change it up. Oh, we made it. We made it to tripod. We're yes, good. we've made it to tripod. <laughs> and Maddie's cat has appeared. In the frame. Yeah. Wow, that was good timing. Um, there were a few cats that lived on the site because there were so many rats and mice. Mm. Of course there were. Um, but he was the most popular. One of the cellmates, Dan Fritz, got permission to have a small hole cut in the wire mesh of his cell door so Tripod could visit as the story goes. Mm. Um, the hole is still there today. Yes. And that one, that particular cell, uh, I think is in uh, F block. Um, yeah, which, in Division 2. Yeah, and that was one of the only cells of that era and of that make that had uh, bars at the door. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to being simply a, a metal sheet um, mm. with a hatch. Uh, this one is a, a, a barred door and was used um, outside That's of Fritz right. or Fritz included as observation. Fritz included, yeah. Thank you, if you've got... Observation, yeah. So it was an observation cell for people who are at risk. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Hence the bars. Um, and they let the cat visit. Um, Dan Fritz was also known as being part of the hunger strike, which we will get to. In, mm-hmm. in 1987, Joe Bjorka-Peterson's administration was thrown into disarray publicly. There was a royal commission into the police corruption and its links with state government ministers after the ABC exposed a bunch of really, really horrible, dodgy stuff that was happening, which is like a six-part series mm. special that we will do yeah, one day. Um, his reputation was greatly damaged, and although he kind of fought back and tried to stay in power, he was pretty much forced to resign on the 1st of December, 1987. So Brisbane Suck and it. Queensland, yeah, mm. pretty much. <laughs> Suck a chocolate frog. I say. I don't wait. Um, and not so the, the Cabri kind. The, I don't want to I don't want to explore this. Um, <laughs> I'm like going to use it as my food. meaning which is a small poo. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Good. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So Brisbane and Queensland were changing rapidly during this mm. time period. I mean, El, El Fresco Dining was back because Björk Peterson <laughs> fucked off and Expert 88 was on its way. Um, and the rule of Stefan, our one true leader, was really kicking in. If you're that not from beacon. Brisbane, Stefan <laughs> is a hairdresser, prominent in and, the 80s, still powerful and now. Restaurateur. Mm. Uh, mm, Giant needle owner. Mm. Mm. That's a preview for another the time. rainbow beacon yeah. of uh he is the rainbow beacon of brisbane yeah in mm. a really dark time yeah for 88 <laughs> to get south bank as well uh, is when that um yeah so uh, many things brisbane will show said. the world yeah we have lots of feelings about expo 88 we keep bringing it up we will yeah. do a number of episodes about yeah, it that's it exciting it'll happen when i have three months to carve out of my life <laughs> oh yeah it's going to be spectacular <sighs> Okay, so protest had been and still was a very real part of life in Brisbane kind of through this police corruption era mm-hmm. um, and Bjorka Peterson had been kicked out but this was, you know, a lot was still kind of kicking on. In 1988, the Prisons Act was reviewed uh, by Commissioner Jim Kennedy. His report, dubbed the Kennedy Report for obvious reasons, found that drugs were entering prisons across Queensland due to dodgy security, quote-unquote, corruption among staff was rife and officer training was lacking. Prisoners were not being rehabilitated and basically the system was just entirely underfunded. 
There was even word of a counterfeit money operation at Bogo Road Jail. The guards and the union denied any corruption allegations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So off the back of major exposure, this mm. other report comes out and they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, never mind then. Yeah, we were corrupt mm. in the valley, but we're not corrupt mm, in the prison. Not here. No, no, why would fine. that be a thing? Sorry, I don't know why I called. Um, yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> So at 9.35 a.m. on Saturday the 13th, February 1988, Division 2 went off, as the guards said, and this resulted in a guard shooting a prisoner called Spider. Wow. In response, the prisoners set the cell block on fire, which Mm -hmm. then set the guards to raid the armory um, and basically be on standby for a huge riot. Inmates started a hunger strike, some of which wouldn't eat for days and days, but we'll get to that. Um, Itchy, who we heard from earlier, said that he didn't eat for 12 days. Wow. Five men scaled the front of F-Wing in Division 2 and stood on the roof. She's the most visible from the road. It's the, yeah, Mm. that's the one that you drive past still today, that roof there. They painted bed sheets and shirts with... Statements such as stop all torture now, don't let the hunger strikers die, close to division now. Uh, Members of the public watched from outside because, as Dan said, it's really visible. And the whole thing was broadcast on the news um, statewide but also nationally. It was a pretty Mm. big deal. Yeah, I can imagine. A note was thrown to supporters outside from the hunger strikers. They Sometimes this would happen in tennis balls, like they would – Cut open a, a tennis ball and keep something inside it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, whether that happened in this case or not, I'm not sure. But a note was thrown outside and it um, within the note, which was quite long, it said, we are prepared to die. Most of the general public reportedly were not sympathetic, but more and more supporters did come to the prison and stand outside and wait outside. Uh, prisoners threw tennis balls with water and food in them up to the rooftop for the people, the five mm. who were on the roof. And the guys on the roof yelled out to the news, um, we want an independent inquiry. So as the days passed, more and more people came to watch. So also on SBS The Feed, musician Greg J. Freyer talks about how his band, his punk rock band, played a concert across the road. This was about three or four days in. So these guys have been on the roof for three to four days. Wow. More and more people are coming. That The only way they're getting food is through tennis mm. balls and the like. Um, and other people are deliberately not eating. Dan Vence with Tripod being one of them. They did feed Tripod allegedly, we hear. And this this band was like, we're going to play some music for them, which is really cool. So punk yeah, rock was cool. like growing pretty rapidly in Brisbane in the 80s and stuff as well mm. because of all the shit that was going on. So they played, and according to Greg, they played about three songs until they were shut down by the police. Oh, yeah. Three songs are pretty good. I thought it would be <laughs> Yeah, awesome. I thought that was all right. Anyway. You can see that interview with him on the SBS where he describes it. It's, mm. yeah, cool. pretty amazing. On the fifth day, the Minister for Corrections announced an inquiry into the entire prison system in Queensland. The rooftop protesters decided to come down. Five whole days on a Queensland roof. Yuck. In February. That would have been awful. So basically a year later in 1989, the number two division, as recommended by the Kennedy Report, was shut down. In 1992, the number one division was shut down and the prisoners transferred. 
1993, the number two division was permanently placed on the Queensland Heritage Register, mm-hmm. which means it is unlikely to ever be demolished. In 1996, the number one division was demolished to make way for an eco-science centre. And in 1999 or 2000, depending whose account you believe, um, the female division closed, marking the end of 116 years of Bogo Road Jail. And then in 2005, the female prison was demolished as well. So today, the notorious number two division is the only remaining section of Bogo Road Jail, as Dan said, except for that kind of one wall. Yeah, there's a watchtower and a few cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a heritage listed building and now operates as a tourist attraction hosting jail and ghost tours. As as I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's kind of the timeline. I just wanted to list a couple of the, the most well-known prisoners who had stayed there. Mm-hmm. So during Bogo Road Jail's 116 years, there were a few notorious prisoners or well-known people and figures for other reasons as well. Um, one of the most famous kind of criminals was Arthur Ernest Slim Halliday, the Houdini of Bogo Road, who escaped twice, becoming one of Australia's most famous escapologists. He escaped so many times, Slim, and got up to so many shenanigans, including one time where he carved a gun out of soap and Amazing. tried to use that. Yeah, he literally like got a bit of soap, carved it into a gun, polished it with some boot polish, and was like, well, hey. And it worked. Is, is he called yeah. Slim because he is slim, or is he a big fella? And it's a joke. He was tall and slim. Hmm. There we go. Yeah. He was called Ernest because that was his middle name. It wasn't a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was skip king. Yeah. Can you imagine having two in two separate, in quotation, yeah. uh, nicknames? Though? Arthur, Ernest, Slim. And Houdini. <laughs> Houdini Halliday. Too many, too many people. There are so many books written about this guy. Go and mm. do your own research, guys. Like, honestly, too many okay. books. <laughs> yeah. He was the only person in the number two division to be upgraded to a cell with three locks, however, wow. and it's still there. Uh, Slim Halliday was not the only escapee. Some people escaped using bed sheets from time to time and just yeeting themselves over the wall. Wow. There was oh, a cool. section, yeah, a blind spot uh, of the wall, which they tried to fix a couple of times, I think, and still there was just there's nowhere a guard yeah. can stand that can see this section of wall and just yeet, yeah. yeet, yeet. Great. Yeah. Like lemmings. Oh. Mm. Yeah. And the final and most dramatic escape would be in 1999 where a group of people hijacked a garbage truck and just smashed through the gates. Wow. I mean. There's footage of the of the guy being caught in the forest on wow. YouTube. Yeah. He turned himself into journalists because he was too scared of the police. Fair enough. Yeah. Because the guards even had opened fire on the truck as it drove down yeah. the, um, for, away from the gate. Yeah. Wow. Sure. Dutton Park State School was built next to Bogo Road Jail. Um, and whenever there were escapes, the children of the school were either sent home or made to stay in their classrooms. Yep. On at least one occasion, we believe um, an escapee was recaptured on the grounds of the school. That checks out. Other people who were at Bogger Road were Gordon Brown, um, former president of the Australian Senate, James Finch and Andrew Stewart, the Whiskey A Go Go murderers, Nathan Jones, actor and professional wrestler. Mm hmm. Still active today, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Peterson, Australian surfing legend. Ellen Thompson, the only woman hanged in Queensland. Ernest Austin, um, a child killer who was to become the last man to be executed in the state 
of Queensland. Florence McDonald, stepmother of the low long reach Cinderella, which is a horrible story about a child being neglected. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kenneth, Australia's last bush ranger, and Debbie Kilroy, who was a prisoner rights activist and founder of Sisters Inside. Yeah, I was just going to say Sisters Inside. Yeah. She's yeah. a really cool lady. Yeah. yeah, and I actually just wanted to touch on that really quickly because I think we can't do an episode about prisons in Australia without just acknowledging some stuff. Big time. So since 1989, the imprisonment imprisonment rate of Aboriginal people in Australia has increased 12 times faster than the rate for non-Aboriginal people. So it's potentially actually got worse. Yep. Although Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adults make up around 2% of the national population, depending on which report you read, they constitute 27% of the national prison population. Half of the 10 to 17-year-olds in jail are Aboriginal. And more generally in Australia, the age of criminal responsibility is 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, 10 years old you can be charged as a criminal in Australia, which is actually really low internationally. Mm. So it's also, I think, important to touch on deaths in custody. So there were quite a few deaths Mm. in custody at Bogo Road Jail and there continues to be. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are disproportionately represented in the death rate in prisons and police and guards often had and still have little repercussions. And as of the recording of this episode, on the 1st of April 2021, there have been four Aboriginal deaths in custody in in Australia in the last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So this was no different at Bogo Road. And although shutting the place down was the exact right thing to do, we're really nowhere where we should be. And I just thought it was important for us to acknowledge that a lot of the histories and stuff in the jail, Indigenous perspectives have been just kind of completely erased as well. Mm. Like even when we were doing the tours, there was kind of one person we spoke about And it was like, here's this one person. And it was very, it felt quite trivialized. Um, Or in other cases, it was, let's talk, let's use this moment to talk about Indigenous prisoners. uh, But we've just talked about one who was a horrible murderer. Yeah. And so now we're going to, like the timing of that is, is, that's not the point of the tour where you, where you really should be talking about. um, Yeah. Rather than talking about all of the disproportionate amount of people who shouldn't have been there for various reasons, especially during Bjorka Peterson era and people who are protesters and civil rights activists. And if you do look at the photos of the rooftop protesters, there's a ton of indigenous flags Flags, there as well. Yeah. Uh, Mm. And a lot of the graffiti, which is still there, in uh, Division 2, yeah. um, th- there is a lot of just words-only graffiti and a-, a lot of graffiti that's from after the place closed. But there's also many uh, f- confirmed from inmates that is even just about uh, Marbo. Yeah. Uh, it's about uh, land rights. Uh, and some of the graffiti is uh, using traditional art styles or developing, uh, like I- inmates learning to paint mm. on their mm. walls mm. in the traditional styles uh, you know, of their own culture. Yeah. And that doesn't get talked about as much. Mm. Yeah. And I guess just on a slightly more positive note, um, we touched on Debbie Kilroy. Yeah, I was just going to say, can we look back to Sisters Inside? Mm. Yeah. So there's kind of two, at least that I know of, organisations that have sprung out of um, Indigenous people who are actually in Boko Road Jail. 
one being the Wayne Weaver Foundation that Dan, Dan and I actually worked with Wayne, him and Rob. Uh, Rob Henderson, who oh, the the, Rob Henderson was not an ex-inmate, but they worked together at the, Wayne was an ex-inmate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he ran um, But they ran the gallery the together. And they, yeah, I think there was one other um, ex-inmate artist who they worked with as well, had yes. a, a full gallery in the one of the more modern visiting sections um, that was still standing in um, Division 2. Yeah, so they, so Wayne started the Wayne Weaver Foundation fairly recently, actually, and and it was formed to champion the successful transition and long-term reintegration of incarcerated First Nations men from both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island cultures into broader community through the provision and support um, via pre- and post-release programs. And then the other one is Sisters Inside, which is Debbie Kilroy. And Sisters Inside is an independent community organisation which advocates for the collective human rights of women and girls in prison and their families and provides services to address the individual needs. We might link to both of these organisations in yeah, Instagram absolutely. as well. Hmm. Yeah. So part of the reason why I wanted Dan on today was because obviously you have a lived experience of being a tour guide mm-hmm. at the jail, which is not the same as having a lived experience being in the jail, but we were there together and we learnt a lot of things. But a really important thing that I wanted to talk about and a juicy thing that I wanted to talk about was the two competing bodies, groups, factions even. Both alike in dignity, yes. Yes. Um, who kind of want to claim the history of this place or tell the history of this place. Dan, do you want to explain what I'm talking about? It sounds like you're talking about the the story of bogarojail.com and bogarojail.com.au. <laughs> yeah. So there's some prison history rivalry in Brisbane. That's mm-hmm. been going on for more than a decade now. Tale as old as time. <laughs> In fact, as old as the closure of the uh, yeah. of, of Two Division because pretty much, not straight away, but Two Division closes in 1989 and becomes a uh, museum in 1992. Uh, and largely a lot of the um, tours and, and the people who had experiences there who, um, as far as I can tell, were running tours there who were not from outside the prison uh, were uh, ex-officers. Uh, yeah. Ex-inmates, I don't think, start becoming involved <sighs> for a little while, which I, is understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could yeah. be wrong about that, but a lot of the documentation and a lot of the history that I'm reading about. That was my impression. The historians, well. yeah, is that yeah. the early business of running a uh, museum there is done by volunteers and uh, ex-guards and ex-staff members. So, yeah, the same year that Division 1 closes, Division 2 becomes a museum after like that. like no space in between. No. Yeah. Mm. It, and there are, there are other things that happen in 2 Division. Yeah, in the 90s, uh, it's Bogoro Jail Museum, and then that later gets incorporated as the Bogoro Jail Historical Society. That's .com.au. Okay. Yeah, that's um, important to note for legal note. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, other stuff that happened in the 90s and then continuing on uh, later, Division 2 gets used for music videos. Regurgitated's Fat Cop music video was filmed in the gatehouse and the cells. More recently, there's been um, escape rooms. Uh, oh, no. The most recent one that is of note is yoga. Yeah, they had a yoga session on International Women's Day. Now, this is bogarojail.com not not the, au not okay. .com.au mm-hmm. the people who currently are running the show there are .com which is a small business we will come to that i, okay. I do want to live in the 90s for a little bit 
Mm, um, we all do. I, I do remember when I was sort of getting to know the uh, the tour route when I was doing the the tours originally and having a look at some of the upper levels of the um, mm. remaining cell blocks, there was some graffiti that stood out that was not from that time and was recognisably lines from Shakespearean plays. I thought that was odd and couldn't get any answers from anyone um, who was working there at the time, but I did remember my dad had told me years earlier that he had gone to see a play in a closed prison and it was Titus Andronicus. And I had always thought it was the Petri Terrace ah. one because that's been, mm. that has been not a prison for longer. Yes. But no, um, <laughs> to, having done a little bit of research and remembering how to Google in recent years, Stage has revealed to me that there were a few theatre productions that were done in Bogger Road Jail in Division 2. You've got... Oh, I'm not Titus Andronicus. Titus Andronicus. And from what my dad That's told me, it is, yes, they served pies at interval, which, spoiler <laughs> alert, is mean. Uh, and the, <laughs> the first half of it was in the cell block and the second half would, included a uh, knockdown drag-up fight in one of the exercise yards. Trocadero Productions did Titus Andronicus in 95 and King John in 1998. <sighs> Um, a theme. And mm. another company, Gaia or Jaya Theatre, G-Y-R-E. Could not tell you. Before my time. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> oh, was I born yet? Yeah, in 96, The Beekeeper's Daughter was uh, a production done by Gaia or Jaya Theatre. More recently, you've had Anywhere Theatre Festival yeah. stuff in they there. They love that 2014, space. I think The Apology was, was a, a production there. And um, there's always been art at Bogger Road Jail. It's just been on the walls just because an actor didn't know their cue line and wrote it on the wall that they were of the cell they were supposed to enter from. Uh, you've got now record of which play was was there. And um, yeah, there's, so there's been theatre and uh, creative stuff happening in this closed prison to varying degrees of respect. Mm. Um, yoga being very respectful, yoga being I think. just... Yoga and International Women's Day. Yoga. When I saw that, I texted Dan and I was like, look at an event that we will not be going to. And then I said, I don't know what's more offensive, the fact that it's yoga on International Women's Day or an appropriated culture in a prison where First Nations people are disproportionately misrepresented. And then I landed on the second, yeah, yeah. but the first mm. still being offensive. <laughs> That was earlier this year or last year. They um, didn't. They didn't use the exercise yards either. They used the central yard because it's grass there. Not in. Okay. Not in the it's also just yards. not a nice place to do yoga. No, but no, people I have don't think... married there. Okay. There have been weddings. Weddings, yeah. Concerts. People um, film video clips there and do photo shoots there still. There was a Bollywood film that was filmed there. A few other indie films, uh, music videos, I think I mentioned. A lot of photo shoots, Christmas parties. Yeah, that one gets me. A fashion parade. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, some thoughts. I wouldn't mm -hmm. feel particularly relaxed doing yoga in that sort of thing um, and I wouldn't no. feel particularly festive. Although you did say like Regurgitator did a film clip there, but what was the song? It's like called yeah. Fat Cop. Like that's it was kind fat of fat cop, yeah. That sort of thing. That's is in like, keeping. Yeah, yeah, you're doing. You're it's using a bit of a middle finger moment. And you're like, yeah. this is a prison. And, that checks and out in, Yeah, and them coming out of like sort of 80s uh, garage band stuff. Yeah in almost direct response occasionally to um, shit that was happening. Fat cops. Yeah. Um, mm, that that, that, yeah, that me. one, that checks out. That feels okay. But, yeah, it's hit, hit and miss along the way. And how did this culminate between the two houses? There is a lot of talk between the two houses about respectful use of the, the prison. And, and they have very different ideas. Mm, yes. Between the .com like, and the .com.au. Uh, so you've got Bogger Jail Historical Society uh, 
functioning there uh, and also later being known as Friends of Bogger Road Jail or Friends of South Brisbane Cemetery. They've run tours around. So many things. They keep functioning there until it has to be closed for quote-unquote redevelopment. There's the parts that can't be knocked down, obviously, because of heritage listing, Mm. but the creation of the CSIRO Ecosciences Precinct uh, leads to the place being closed from their perspective indefinitely. And then when it is reopened (laughs) and allowed to be used again... A new player enters the arena. Yes. Having first, I think, uh, entered the scene after having founded the prison players, so reenactors um, in costume doing reenactments in the prison in 2001. That's I'm sorry. The, the prison players. I'm the sorry? prison players. Reenactments the prison players. Of, of being in prison? Yes. yes. Is this... Mm-hmm. Okay. Is this like a guided tour situation or is this a people's, are are these filmed? Is this a play? What is, what do you mean? There is now some stuff on YouTube, but initially it was supplementary to the tours that were going Mm. on there. Go on a tour, bump into a lady sweeping a step. Yes. And then that's run by bogarogel.com and also Mm -hmm. ghost tours. Yes. Okay. When the prison historic space reopens and is available for use for tours, bloggerojail.com is granted license to exclusively use the space. This does not please the historical society. No, I can't imagine that it would. They're like banned from doing that. Interesting. There is a bit of back and forth between the different companies, some of which uh, culminates in threatening uh, of legal action from .com to .com.au, many, many blog posts in criticism. So the two companies publish, the two companies publish books on the same subject, same subject matter, often using the similar quotes and same similar sources, similar news articles and and interviews. It's partly generational, but um, not so much as uh, public and private is the main distinction that, uh, Mm. that they tend to make. One has a big paywall and the other does not. Yes. Okay. Uh, one of the major criticisms uh, and uh, sources of change.org petitions from the Bogoro Jail Historical Society. Petitions. Yes, yes, they had two petitions. This has all just been happening in plain sight. I didn't even know. Mm. Queensland yeah. government uh, run Bogoro Jail for public good, not private profit is the title or the link to their um, first change.org one. Uh, the second was please stop allowing commercial ghost hunts in places where deaths in custody took place. Mm. Because is it still state run? Like it's still like it's no. owned. It's not owned by the government. It's heritage listed. It's heritage listed, and but it is owned by owned a department. By the, yeah, so it's owned by yeah. the state, but leased out and the, given permission. Yeah, okay. Yes. yes. Uh, um, do we know how any like I mean, former inmates or relatives of people who died feel about the current use of the jail? Like, do we know anything? It really does depend who you. It's tricky. Because there are there are yeah. uh, inmates, um, former inmates and former um, officers who work at the jail doing tours, and then the, at the, uh, the other side of things, it just depends on really who they're allied with. It really and is a feud between the two parties yeah. because you've got ex inmates and ex officers on one side who are very validly uh, upset that there are you know ghost tours and ghost stories being told uh, in a place where people who are still alive were being held. People are still alive today who were being held in or these people conditions. people who died recently enough that their relatives are still yeah. within the community. 
and you've yeah. got people who are just teaching people about the prison with the company that is working there. Like, so there's like a fine line between what's appropriate, and I think because it is still like a state-owned thing, mm. then it's like, oh, maybe there, maybe it should be a bit different. But one like- of the most active things they've done, uh, the state government has done previously, has been to make it so that you can't do ghost hunts; you have to do ghost tours. Oh, so why the, the the pivoting to storytelling mm. Uh, mm. has been because they don't they can't go hunting for ghosts. Mm. This isn't about we're going to see a ghost tonight. It's about here's a story that someone tells about this place. Mm. Here are the ghost stories and the urban legends that surround this this location, which is where they kind of skirt that line. Mm. But that's that was as a res- result of the government saying yeah. you can't do those. I was going to say, if no one's paying any attention to it, like, I mean, I didn't know any of this. Like, Well, that's it. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it's, this isn't a public issue that's being debated and people are informed about. And so some may say the history of the jail lives on. The legacy of Bielke Peterson in this mm. is that there, like, there can be competing versions of, like, the history because we don't have the proper records of what no. actually was no. going on. So there is, and the legacy of the corruption in the police state is, like, what are you going to... We're still paying that price. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's not, like, they could set up, yep, here it is, here's the actually historically accurate, here's the thing, this is what it is. Like, there's no... So there is room for wh- however different yeah. ways people want to interpret it. Mm. Yeah. Or sensationalize it. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. Any final thoughts from the room? Mine is boob. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd lighten it up a little bit, I boob suppose. Happy. No, I think it's interesting because obviously when the prison was operational in like horrible conditions, that was all happening just alongside people living their lives and the general public not really knowing about it. And so now yeah. this feud yeah. is also existing in the same sense. Just bubbling Yeah, and along. for people that don't live in Brisbane – it's probably good to note that this is really like it's it's on the outskirts of the CBD, deep within the inner 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 suburbs. Like it's mm. it's all it's pretty much within the CBD. Yeah, like the, it's the rooftop protests were happening ten minutes walk from Expo eighty eight. Yeah, like it's mm. like most prisons are these days, kind of tucked away somewhere. It's really yeah, it's quite. Literally, it's not even hiding in plain sight. Like it's in plain sight, and it does make me think more about like all kind of other like historical locations and like other prisons and stuff like that do have this sort of thing like is there yeah you start to think about and how much yeah places you've been to and done tours of as a tourist kind of not knowing that there are actually a whole heap of ethical dilemmas tied up within these situations and you go oh shit okay Mm. maybe i need to look into that before i give someone when when education meets tourism yeah meets folklore (sighs) daniel gray Thank yes. you for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. On our day of no lockdown. I'm so happy for you both. We release episodes every Monday um, and next week I'm going to tell Maddie and all of you about the man who invented the cherry ripe. Tell someone at Coles about us and tell them to follow but yeah. do it socially distanced. Yeah, that's good. That's Thanks. respectful. All right, we are at Australianorama on socials and you can send us an email at australianorama at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. My sources for today's episode are both bogoroadjail.com.au and bogoroadjail.com. Fair and balanced. <laughs> the feed SBS BTQ7 on Channel 7. The Leader, Limina Journal, Australian Law Reform Commission and The Guardian. I've looked at ausstage.edu.au. 